2: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
3: As we welcome you along to the programme, my thanks to John Paul sitting in for me all across last week while I took a week off and had a little bit of what they call a staycation. And I just got to relax and the weather was kind of mixed. There was, uh, it was, we didn't get a lot of rain, which is, you know, you can cope with anything as long as it's not bucketing down with rain. Didn't get scorching sunshine either, except until the weekend as you're getting ready to come back to work. But it was lovely just to get a few days away and we got to stay in a couple of hotels and to have somebody else cook your breakfast for you and serve you your lunch and serve you your dinner and that's the one part of getting away and having a break and just relaxing and it was lovely uh, on some of the days where we got to eat outside and I just really love dining al fresco because I think when you're eating outside it's you associate it with holidays, don't you? We don't get to do it that often in this country, but when we do get to do it, it's, there's something magical about it and certainly something very relaxing. So it really was lovely. The one thing I will say that I noticed, I was in two different hotels. Now, neither of them were in Cork. They were in different parts of the country, but I stayed in two different hotels across last week. And on both occasions, I have to say, the one thing I noticed was the young Staff that are now employed. And there's always young staff employed, particularly during the summer season. But I think allowances and understanding has to be made of newer staff and staff who are working for the very first time. And there seemed to be more staff working for the first time than I've ever noticed during other staycations in this country. And I mean, always in the summer, you'll get new staff and everyone has to start somewhere. And people who will do, you know, a couple, maybe two or three summers. Maybe when they're in college, you know, after doing their leaving search, maybe in fifth year as they're heading in to do their leaving cert year, they'll get work in a local hotel. And we're well used to seeing young people going in and taking up those jobs and it's great experience for them. And it's a way, of course, of them making a little bit of pocket money. But I honest to God reckoned there was way more of them than I've ever seen before. And I had done interviews in the last number of weeks we've been doing interviews with the hospitality sector who say they are having problems recruiting experienced staff because a number of experienced staff because they were out of work for so long some maybe decided to retrain some people decided to completely leave the industry and have gone to work in other industries some people have left the industry because they see it can be antisocial there can be antisocial hours attached to it and then of course there was a huge cohort of people who worked in hospitality in this uh, country who went home to their own countries. Uh, people who had been working for many, many years in hospitality but when the pandemic hit and they were out of work they decided to, to go home and many of those of course haven't returned yet and some of them of course may never return. So we definitely have very young inexperienced staff working in our hotels and in our restaurants and all I can say to people is you, we, we, everyone has to make allowances for these young people. They really are doing their very, very best Best, but I have to say it was the one thing that stood out for me including in one of the hotels I stayed in we were in the restaurant, in one of the restaurants in the hotel and the young girl came to take our order and said blurted straight out, it's my first time so could you speak slowly so I'll be able to write it all down properly I just felt so sorry for the young girl and she was doing, her, I mean she did her level best, she really did even when she came to the table and she had the coffees at the end of the meal actually said to her look I'll take that cup from the tray for you you know you could just see the lack of experience and the sense of panic and she was trying to balance this tray and everything was hot on it I mean bless her heart so I decided when I was going the other week often if you're looking at a menu and you might ask the waitress something about what exactly is in something I decided against doing that with that particular girl so if you are going away on a staycation enjoy it but just please everybody have a little bit of patience and make allowances for some of the staff because they are young and they are inexperienced but they will gain the experience as the summer uh, goes on but it was as I say it was great to be away and it was great to see hotels and restaurants uh, busy as well and then of course outdoor dining now has taken off and again with the weather at the weekend there was just, I saw some stunning photographs up on social media of people on very busy streets across Cork City and County, everybody eating out and having a few drinks and people seem to be enjoying themselves and many people of course headed to the beaches as well Uh, and hopefully if you did get a day at the beach yesterday that you really enjoyed yourself and you took your litter and your rubbish home with you and that you didn't block anyone in with the way that you parked. We all have to be very understanding of that as well when we're parking. Just be careful and I know how frustrating it can be if you've been in the car for a long time and you have the kids and everyone's getting ratty because it's too hot and the Children just want to get onto the beach and to build their sandcastles and get into the water and they want you to park the car. Just be aware of where you're parking your car, that you're not blocking in a car that's already parked there. Or I think the worst one is that you're not blocking the driveway of somebody's home, somebody who lives and who are very blessed and lucky to live by the sea. But they also need to have access to get in and to get out of their homes as well. So hopefully there wasn't any scenarios uh, like that uh, yesterday. 1850 103. And yesterday also good day for me because I went along to the vaccination centre. At the GAA centre in Mallow where I got my second Pfizer jab. So now I've had my second and final one and I have to wait seven days. So next Sunday I will be deemed fully vaccinated. And I went along yesterday morning. I did one of the earlier appointments. I was my time slot was for 10 o'clock. So I arrived there just coming up to 10 to 10. Didn't seem to be anybody around. So parked my car. The guy said you can go straight in. So I went straight in. I went in walked in, showed my ID, walked up to registration, registered, walked and somebody said, you go into whatever booth number it was, went in, was met by a lovely nurse called Kay, who told me she was a retired nurse at Mallow Hospital, worked there for over 30 years. She said, she tell me, 36 years and decided to come back when they put the call out for people. She said at the start of the pandemic, she offered her services. She said she wasn't needed at the beginning, but then they got back to her for the vaccination absolutely thrilled that she's doing it and she said it's just such a happy, wonderful environment and it was it was great. She gave me my jab and would you believe I was finished at 10 past 10. It was very different to my first experience because I was one of those who went a month ago last Saturday to that same vaccination centre, Carragoon in Mallow, where they had a problem with their iPads and anyone that's been to one of the vaccination centres will know that all of the nurses and doctors who are giving the vaccines have an iPad uh, that's where all of the information is stored and obviously that goes in centrally into the HSE so that they know the Patricia Messenger and my date of birth and my PPS number that I got my Pfizer jab. They went down that morning. Now, it was nothing to do with the cyber attack even though it was on the same week of the cyber attack. But they had a huge problem and they were well over an hour before they got underway that morning. So the knock on effect was they were trying to do catch up for the rest of the day. So we were about two hours, I think, queuing up to get in. And it was a miserable old day as well. And There were some people giving out and others were saying, what's the point? Well, me included. say, what's the point in giving out? We've waited this long. If we have to wait another couple of hours, so be it. And then against yesterday just literally parking up the car walking straight in doing the bits with the registration going in jabbing the arm from K over sitting down waited my 15 minutes that was the longest part of it back out into the car and I was home. It was lovely. Wonderful, wonderful experience. And I know for many people that's what's happening. People are sailing in and sailing out and seemingly 700 people in just in that one vaccination centre in Mallow were vaccinated on Saturday and I imagine they did the same yesterday. And already some texts in from people saying when can the 30-year-olds Uh, register. Uh, There's talks of that now. They started talking about that at the back end of last week because we know now everybody over the age of 40 who wants a vaccine and it seems the vast majority of people are registering and of all of the countries around the world, we are the ones who are most accepting of the vaccine which is terrific and it is our way out of this pandemic uh, for sure. But it is going to be sometime this week, uh, as soon as we hear uh, we'll let you know when the 30 year olds plus will be able to register and will they do it the same as they did it for the 60 year olds, the 50 year olds and the 40 year olds? Yeah, absolutely. They'll open it up for the 35 to 39 year olds. They'll work down every single day from 39 to 38 to 37 down they'll go and then when they're all registered then normally there's a day or two in between and then they'll open the portal for the 30 to 34 year olds so have patience, your time is uh, coming and can I wish everyone talking of vaccinations the very best of luck to all of the community pharmacists they will begin administering COVID-19 vaccines this week, me delivery of vaccines to pharmacies expected to start arriving from today. Um, up to I think it's between about eight hundred. Now I thought I heard Barry say a thousand, but it depends. Some of the newspapers are saying eight hundred, others are saying a thousand. They will initially begin administering the vaccines now. Pharmacists are allowed to administer the vaccines to people over the age of 50 who haven't yet had a COVID-19 vaccine. Obviously, you're going to need to make an appointment and you'll be able to make that appointment at your local pharmacy from today. And it seems a number of pharmacies here in Cork will be um, involved in administrating the vaccine over the coming weeks. Now, not every single pharmacist has been selected. So if you just check with your own, I'm assuming a lot of the pharmacies that have been picked will have signs up telling you that they are available but if you want to, if you haven't registered and haven't had a vaccine yet and you are 50 years of age and over I would suggest you just check in at your local pharmacy to see are they giving the vaccines or or not that because there has been some now it's been very little there has been some vaccine hesitancy and I know initially pharmacists are expected to get the Johnson & Johnson jab this is the Janssen one which is one shot you get one dose and then you're deemed fully vaccinated 2 weeks later and that certainly will suit people that have are a bit a bit fearful of needles and there are people there's hesitancy around the vaccine due to needle phobia and I heard of a number of people in the healthcare settings. Hard to believe that somebody works in healthcare who could have a phobia about needles, but they do. So for people who don't like getting injections, the idea of having to go forward twice is obviously adding to their fear factor. So for those people I think there will be a number of those I think will be certainly checking in with the local pharmacy because it's one job and they're done and they won't have to go back again. And can I say they seem to it's a little bit like 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 anyone who's had a flu jab in the past will know, it seems to be the smallest, tiniest needle that they use. Because again, yesterday, when I was, the lovely Kay was giving me my jab, she said, tiny pinch. And I'll be very honest with you, I didn't even feel the tiny pinch. Obviously, you look away. You're not looking at somebody sticking a needle into your arm. But I literally didn't even feel it. And it was the same the first time round. Now, I know if you have a phobia against needles and somebody said, oh, no, no, you'll feel, it, you'll feel it. And people have to just get over that and do the deep breathing and, and you know, try to get over that phobia. So certainly the Johnson & Johnson which is the one jab and you won't have to go back again that certainly will suit uh, those kind of people. But anyway the best of luck to all of the pharmacists because I know and we have spoken with a number of pharmacists on the programme. They were one of the first out of the blocks to sign up to say yes we'd love to be vaccinators. They're all very experienced because they've been doing the uh, the flu jab for many, many years inside in their pharmacies and all of the chemist shops. Now when you go in, they have a separate little room and a little consultation room and that's where the vaccines uh, take place. And last year, actually, I got my flu jab at my local uh, pharmacy and it's a great system. You're in and out and it's very quick. Uh, so if you haven't, if you're over 50 and you haven't been vaccinated yet and for whatever reason you didn't register on the portal, then you can check in just to see is your local community pharmacist one of those selected with those Vaccines expected to arrive from today. And today on the programme, we are celebrating with another free munch Monday because, as we know, Cork is reopening and we have many, many wonderful, superb restaurants. And all of those restaurants across Cork City and County—they all are deserve deserve our support. So to celebrate the fact that Cork is reopening and that many restaurants are reopening, that's why we're having this free munch Monday here on C103. Now we've got vouchers today on the program—a voucher for Prawline in uh, Mitchellstown. Your free munch Monday is your ticket to tasty free food. Thanks to McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at Crunch. Times. You can see M-I-G dot I-E So listen out. On the programme this morning I will ask you of a food combination I will give you the first word you've got to come up with what food you normally combine it with and it'll be by text or WhatsApp and we'll let you know what our food combination is a little bit later on and giving you the opportunity to text us then and you could be in with a chance of winning a free Munch Monday voucher As I say, today's one is for Prauline in Mitchellstown here on C103 Some of your texts coming in Sarah says Patricia what about all of the people in the vulnerable groups like the Cohort 4 and Cohort 7 who got their first AstraZeneca jab back in March and April and they've heard nothing since uh, Sarah you will be due very soon to hear uh, when your second jab is due because they have brought down the AstraZeneca from 12 weeks to 8 weeks but I saw a, a piece with uh, Column Henry from Neffet he did you vi- these pieces to camera on video on on the internet sorry over the weekend and he was talking about they're reducing it from 12 weeks to 8 weeks but it's just taking time for some people you will wait the full 12 weeks but I'm already starting to hear of people who had AstraZeneca and they're coming up to their 12 weeks and they're starting to get appointments so you certainly will get your appointment very very soon because it's just going to take time to get everybody who got there their first jab in March and April to make sure that all of them get it. They certainly will go beyond the eight weeks uh, for sure, but they've reduced it for anybody, I would say, in the last few weeks who got an AstraZeneca jab. They certainly will be getting it in eight weeks. But hang in there, Sarah, you will get your date and your time and appointment. For your shot very soon if you were one of the people in March, because March would be if you were the beginning of the end of March, April, May, June, come up to the end of June. You should be due to get your second jab. But remember, for anyone who did get the AstraZeneca after four weeks, you are deemed vaccinated. You have full protection Um, Um. for, uh, for For AstraZeneca, after four weeks, your second one is more of a top up than anything else and I know when I was talking about uh, best of luck with that uh, Sarah and I hope that you get the call uh, very soon and when I was talking about the pharmacists, the community pharmacists been open. You can check in with them as and from today because vaccines expected to arrive and initially they're going to be getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Uh, somebody has said, Patricia, if you are over 60, 64 if you're in your 60 say, can you get the Johnson or the Pfizer at your pharmacist or will you have to take the AstraZeneca? Uh, no, they won't be administering AstraZeneca at your pharmacy. It's for anybody over the age of 50 because I think the HSE are accepting there are some people who for whatever reason Uh, didn't want to get the AstraZeneca and therefore didn't register so if you register now at your pharmacy you will get either the Johnson & Johnson uh, is what they are giving out initially and then when they've gone through their Johnson & Johnson I think they're going to be administering Pfizer but there's no talk of pharmacists certainly giving AstraZeneca so no if you are in your 60s it won't be the AstraZeneca it'll be either a Johnson & Johnson or a Pfizer that you will be offered and hi Patricia I'd like to thank all of the people who attended the drive-in concert at Theopar Yesterday, everybody had a very enjoyable afternoon, whether sitting in the shade or sitting in the sun. And the Checkers and Jimmy O'Donohue did us proud, belting away beautiful tunes all afternoon until after six p.m. Our next driving concert at Theo Park will happen on Sunday, the eleventh of July. And music on that day will be by Music Muriel O'Connor, accompanied by Fran, plus another band yet to be sorted out. A message from Theo Park is: hope to see you all again soon. Drive driving bingo continues every Thursday evening at 8 and actually the driving bingo is proving to be extremely popular there's a number of driving bingos happening uh, across the county. If anybody knows of any other ones happening let us know, we're only too glad to give a mention uh, because people need to get out and about and start enjoying themselves John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 you can text our WhatsApp 0862
0: 103
4: 103 Court Today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's as Kinsale, now part of McCarthy and Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: Now, last Friday, farmers gathered in 30 towns across the country to protest over the EU's cap reform proposals and over the impact on the agriculture sector of the government's climate action plan. The Rural Independent Group feel that the government is rushing through the climate bill and rural Ireland will be severely threatened by it. Joining me from that group, West Cork Independent Doll Deputy Michael Collins. Good morning to you, Michael. Oh, good morning, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're you're welcome to the programme. Now, the Rural Independent TDs, you've tried to put through amendments to the Climate Action Legislation. Has the government accepted any of these amendments?
5: Uh, no, uh, Patricia, it's, it's very disappointing. No. in fairness, we, we're trying to be constructive because, you know, we do need to protect our environment and, and you know I spoke to environmental groups in West Cork and I've always said to them that I would we'll be supportive of the Climate Action Bill if the government would be supportive of amendments that, that our group or myself or our group would put forward we put forward 75 amendments a lot of amendments but I mean when you're talking and I'm, you know some of them are simplistic enough um, and the government have 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 rejected the 75 amendments to date. Um, there's 239 amendments in total, gone in on the climate action bill and bar their own amendments. Uh, the government's own amendments. They've rejected every other party or groupings' amendments that have come before them in the climate action bill, which is extremely disappointing. And it 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 it, it tells me that they're railroading this bill through the doll one way or the other. And unfortunately, it it leads to the detriment of rural Ireland. This is what the bill is said. Is do doing it?
3: And do you feel some of your amendments would have made the legislation fairer to rural Ireland?
5: Well, I, I think some of the amendments and and um, that that we put forward um, were very fair. I mean, one of the amendments I can give you a number of them, just as fair, you know, and not, not every one of them, obviously. Um, one of the amendments would that they lower the back and even consider a zero percent back rate on incidation. Uh, to all homeowners in, in 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 the country, because I mean they're telling us we're 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 they're, we're moving away from the year of having home heating oil um even coal, paraffin, whatever. So what's the solution? The solution, unfortunately, is um, for the for for the the, the homeowner to purchase insulation. and and we encourage that, and and it shouldn't be uh, insulation is now at twenty three percent VAT for heat pumps for air to water. Uh, systems for solar panels for, uh, and the construction. The whole thing is twenty-three percent. That that's a savage uh, hit on a, on a on a on an ordinary person's income in a, in a house to try and insulate their home. So it turns people against.
3: And 23 percent. That, that's normally the rate on luxury goods. I mean, it's hard to justify that insulation would be deemed a luxury good.
5: Unfortunately, it is, and, and it's something that I, I felt that at least if they didn't agree with our 0% that they'd say they'd bring it to 6 or 7%, some way nearer to where people could, things they could afford. So, you know, if you, if, you, if you're not getting We'll say support and amendments that are fair. I think as best we can, we 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 put forward that farm and we'll say fuels should be exempt from that because I mean obviously the farmers on the on the on the um, is, is out there in the the fields and their the construction and the agri uh, contractors out there every day trying to uh, trying to follow join uh, machines at, at a massive cost. Um, we we put forward a series of very very fair, in my view, very fair amendments. We said we'd look for electric charging points at every town and village, and by no later than twenty twenty six. Again, people are finding it impossible to get electric uh, charging points, even though they've been uh, they been they've been forced to, to buy electric cars. Uh, also, that every child living within one km or more uh, from school should have free transport. You know the, the situation with carbon tax, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 people are being asked to to, to take their cars off the road, basically, uh, to, to travel with bikes, and everything. that's not that's not feasible in rural Ireland. So we're saying, OK, let, let's start moving some direction here by at least saying one thing uh, one or more should be taken uh, by three for the school. Um, we also said that the carbon budget itself, and that was one of our amendments, that would, it would have an annual review. And the other thing is, uh, Patricia, we're very concerned about this advisory council um, that's going to be now advising and um, the 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 minister are are actually carrying out the rules of that that the minister is going to impose with this carbon tax. They have no they have no elected member on that on that um advisory role.
3: So and do we, you feel we, that this group is going to have too much power?
5: It is going to have so much power. And remember remember the former uh, climate advisor chair, John Fitzgerald, said the only way and this is a serious issue for agriculture, that agriculture can meet its targets is through uh, a dramatic reduction of livestock numbers. And the same council, member uh, proposed the call of livestock numbers by 3.4 million half the national herd. This is, not, this is going to be a disaster for rural Ireland, and that's the intention. And my, my problem is, that, you know, personally, I get on very well with him and Ryan, but, but my problem with the green, this Green Party, this is a Green Party bill uh, going through the dog, with the cost of power, and the Fianna Fianna are going to have to row in behind it. We can't put forward an amendment, and other or, um, parties and, 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 and groupings have put forward very sensible amendments. We've been refused that right. Uh, we've looked into planning permission for one-off housing. That has to be re- resolved going forward. Um, uh, we will, as I said, the Climate Action, um, uh, this, this new advisory council, we're saying it has to have four I mean, uh, reps from four different organisations. We should have a fishing sector rep, we should have an agricultural policy representative, a rural transport representative. We can't be having professors and and no disrespect to them and very high-heat people from all over the world on these advisory councils. And no one, no one to say, wait a minute, is there anybody, has anybody rural proof any of this legislation or any of these guidelines and rules that are coming out there? Because they do affect people's lives and people's life in, in rural Ireland.
3: Do you think a lot of the backbench TDs have concerns, but because of the, the party whip system, they must toe the party line?
5: Well, I, I, I think this is the price of, of, of the Green Party in government and I, I, I'm uh, it's very disappointing. and I think that the backbenchers need to come out and speak some of them are, are speaking behind, uh, behind the scenes but they need to come out in public and I, I've noticed there recently in different bills in the Dáil they're coming out very strongly against we'll say the stricter and more stringent rules that came in there two weeks ago um, and, and at the same time I heard some of them on Radio 1 uh, Fianna Fáil TD absolutely slayed him and a few hours later he went in and voted for them so like they, unfortunately they must stand up and stand up for the people because when, when, when our groups and, and, and parties are willing to make it, put in amendments and willing to participate in, in, in what's going on here, the least they do is get the respect of some of the amendments being accepted and some of the amendments being listened to. And that's not happened here.
3: Okay. And like everyone is concerned and uh, accepts that climate uh, change, something has to happen on, on climate change. But you're reckoning there are other ways to, to save the planet without it damaging agriculture so much?
5: Well, it's been made very clear in the dog, Patricia, that, and I I honestly can't remember the percentage, but if if, if Ireland turned off its lights tomorrow morning and everyone in this country left and, and either took a boat, and we better not say a plane, because there could be uh, other uh, fuel emissions from the planes, but if they left this country, it's zero point zero point zero zero. I don't know the name of God, it's 0.0 something of a percentage, One of a percentage uh, of a difference in the country. So what we're trying to do is trying to show up the rest of the world but we can't afford to do that here in totally. The rest of the world must take some of the hit. The Chinese, the Americans, all these must take some of the hits. I can guarantee you one corner over in China or in America is causing more climate damage in this country than the whole of the country in Ireland. But it looks like we're going to have to be the ones to, to show them. And we've been seen to do, uh, make a lot of changes here recently. There's a massive forestry crisis. There's a turf cutting crisis, there's mass peak crisis, and there's a fuel crisis in this country. And what have the and since and I'm I'm very much pointing at the fact the Green Party have been uh, continuously at the helm on all these issues. And the only solution they have is import the turf from Germany, import the fuel from England. That's not it. That's uh, our carbon footprint just off. So it looks to me as if they want to show the world that we won't uh, produce any of these goods in this country. Well, we certainly um, will have the same goods, but brought into some other uh, country across the world. And that's insanity. That's crazy. And that's not the way this is going to work.
3: And well, our, we our, saw what a wrong decision it was when they decided to end the sugar industry in this country. And then in hindsight, they came back and realised, oops, we made a mistake on that one.
5: It is. And I was talking to a, a Green Party and some of them are very, very decent people, but like, it, unfortunately, and Eamon Ryan has proven that, like saying that there should be only a couple, few cars in every village and town where everybody should cycle. And we, it's a lovely, lovely idea, and we should all be cycling for the good of our health. But we simply can't cycle the eight or ten miles every morning, take a child to school. We can't cycle to go to work.
3: Or has ten, he ten seen ten the, does Eamon Ryan, is he aware of the condition of some of, the, of our roads, even for cycling?
5: Well, I, 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 You've I, taken I, your I
3: life in your, to, your own hands doing that.
5: I've asked that to them, and I spoke, as I said, to a Green Party person recently and I said, we don't, like a lot of people want to, uh, the warmer homes and, and, and that's the way forward is to focus and that's what I want to Green Party to focus on and environmental is to focus on something like the warmer homes, how to roll out the warmer homes to the people that need it they're waiting, I have people calling into me, they're waiting over two years to get even a consultation in relation to the warmer homes in their home. They can't get it insulated, so where are we going? We're not even willing to insulate And I said to someone, do you expect someone to wear silver wrap in their house? And, and the person asked me, that's what I do. And I mean, that's the focus. Unfortunately, they don't understand what reality is. And it's no point in coming in and saying stop everything and block everything, but have no solution. No solution. And we tried with 75 amendments to have solutions here. And not every one of them are perfect. And, and, and well, we can argue, well, and we would be back in the second stage to argue every one of them again, because we need to make a clear understanding that some of these. Uh, new regulations that are going to be imposed on people are going to have decimation, decimating effects on on, on the people of rural Ireland.
3: Okay, and I, I'm I'm assuming you were in total agreement with the farmers protesting last uh, Friday. I mean, they're facing a double blow. I mean, between the climate action plan and the new cap reform proposals.
5: I was with them in in and on, on, on Friday Friday morning and. You know, look, it was it was, it was was a good show of strength, in fairness. On a fine day, people had a lot of work to get up because there was foggy and wick uh, during the week, but in fairness, it turned up in high numbers. Yes, the cap uh, negotiations are very, very uh, critical at the moment. We have 40% of farmers in this country that are earning from 1500 to 5000 And, Patricia, we have farmers in this country earning uh, very, very strong people that own factories, I won't go naming people, that are earning between two hundred and fifty to 300000 there's an ins- an insane uh, bridge to be gapped here, and if it isn't done, it'll lead to an absolute disaster for farmers. And what I'm trying to do is to bring. You, you don't expect anyone to on two dollars because they do have massive farms to come down to ten, five, or ten thousand? No way do we expect that. But we do expect a cap of eighty thousand, at least sixty to eighty thousand. The capsule, and distribute the the monies that are above that to the men or the women that's earning between uh, one to five, one to ten thousand, and haven't budged for years and years. And I really, pardon my language, scratching the back of their head, wondering, what am I doing? Where are we going? This is a disaster. They're depending on the price of cattle, which is very volatile. It can go up, it can go down. It can go which way. And this is an opportunity. And unfortunately, there was a new uh, type of rent scheme introduced there, Patricia, last uh, about maybe a month ago on the Dole. It exempted farmers who had uh, gorse in their land. Mm. I mean, mm. we're back to square one again, where this is the Green Party who promotes us not, obviously not burning, we shouldn't be, are removing garst. No, we there's a new grand scheme out there that, that says, if you have it, we won't pay you. Yeah. So like we're caught in a catch-22 yeah. situation and okay. the smaller man is being caught the whole time and this cat negotiations have to fight for that small man or small woman farmer female farmer that wants to try and survive. Don't want to thrive, wants to survive and that's all that's, that's what that process has in The very clear message about the climate action. We cannot uh, take 50% our cattle, and that's what's going to happen between here and 2030, and let there be no one in any delusion that it won't happen.
3: OK, Michael, we leave it there. No doubt we'll speak about it again in the future. But in the meantime, thank you for that. Thanks for joining thank us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, West Cork Independent uh, doll Deputy uh, Michael Collins. Uh, Frank uh, says, people ought to know that the climate change is a borderless crisis. It means less dairy dairy cows and more trees. That's my text to 0862
0: 103 103. Court today on
4: C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie.
3: Let's stay on environmental issues this morning because customers are being encouraged to resume using keep cups and reusable packaging to cut back on single-use plastic. Joining me from the Conscious Cup campaign is Sorka Kavanagh uh, Good morning to you, Sorka Good morning Patricia How are you? I'm very well Is it widely accepted that there was an increase in littering from single-use plastics and in particular the single-use cups during the pandemic?
6: Oh, absolutely. Sure, you only had to go out on a walk and you could see the overflowing bins and the pressure on the waste waste system to accommodate, you know, the amount of single use. And that's really because we have so much outdoor uh, dining and takeaway going on at the moment, that there's pressure on the street bins. Um, And I know that a lot of the tidy towns groups across the country who have been, who do phenomenal work and ha- we've worked with for a number of years they've all reported that the main thing that they are picking up is coffee cups and lids you know and plastic cutlery and takeaway packaging predominantly
3: so there's um, yeah and people pressure. tossing them out car windows just yeah, frustrates the, 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 the life out of me and are more and more cafes now starting to once again accept people's personal cups
6: Absolutely. Like, if we went back to when, you know, pre-COVID, we had about 2,000 cafes across Ireland participating in our cafe uh, or in our um, campaign. And what I mean by participating, I mean that they were rewarding customers, either incentivizing them or giving them a discount to accept reusables. And we have actually come a long way. Like, behaviour change takes quite a long time. And the coffee cup, really, for us was to try, you know, a reusable cup. Our Our um, objective was to try and encourage people to take up a good habit around reuse, and the coffee cup was a really good way to start. So we had a lot of cafes engaging in reuse. We had some cafes who would report um, levels as high as 60% where their customers came in with reusables. Now, those cafes worked really hard with their signage and engaging with their customers, so there was very good take-up. But obviously then when COVID hit, you know, none of us really knew what we were dealing with. And then it started off with Starbucks saying, right, we won't take reusable cups for the moment. And pretty quickly it was a domino effect. However, I would say now every chain is, almost every chain in Ireland is back and have been for quite some time. Starbucks accept reusable cups. Costa have been accepting reusable cups for a long, long time, actually, since God, last year. And I think what's wrong is People don't realise that there are a lot of cafes who are back accepting them and we just need to increase that visibility yeah, it's, of reuse again. Yeah,
3: and it's like with everything, Sorka, it's to get back into the habit of bringing your Keep Cup with you. It is. And
6: what, we, what we're what we encouraging is if you know of a cafe that is accepting reusables, please email me on info at consciouscupcampaign.ie and um, There's just myself at the end of the email. I'm very happy to add any cafes that are accepting reusables to the map. And then we can amplify that map across um, all our networks so that people can find and trace cafes who are accepting their reusables. But as I said, most of the chains are on board. We are now back at about 50% of what we were prior to COVID. So there are many cafes who are accepting reusables. And there's a really good, safe way called Contactless Coffee, which we featured on our website for any cafes who want to see how that works. They can see videos of um, a very safe and easy way of serving a customer um, in their reusable cup without anybody being um, affected or having any contact. Either way, there's no cross-contamination, there's nothing like that, and it's very simple. Um, and some of the really good coffee roasters, such as Cloud Picker, um and uh, Bell Lane Coffee have produced really good videos on our website that you can see how, how easy it can be.
3: Yeah, I watched your, I, w- I was on your website over the weekend and I watched this, this contactless coffee. I mean, it's it's fantastic for people who might say, oh, we put putting the barista uh, at risk by handing in a cup that I've, you know, maybe I didn't wash yeah. my cup properly. Whereas you just place it on a tray, the barista takes it in, pours the co- coffee into it, puts the milk, the cream or whatever else goes into it and then hands it back out to you on the tray and you put your lid on it and you were the only one touching it the person drinking it, that's it. it's brilliant yeah, that's it's brilliant it. It it's, it's so easy it's really and great. you don't.
6: Yeah, and it may even suit that you don't even have to bring the tray, move the tray. You might just—some people do—just make the coffee in a reusable, you know, stainless steel container, and they decant from there into the coffee cup. Um, and a lot of baristas are, are very happy to do it. We've been—we've um, been very lucky that the Specialty Coffee Association in Ireland, which is an association of a lot of members of baristas, they've heavily supported uh, contactless coffee through COVID, um, because. The Sustainability is really, really important. And it's not just about the littering, the downstream aspect of single use, it's about the upstream issues around make manufacturing mm-hmm. single use packaging. Mm-hmm. It really depletes our resources and it causes serious greenhouse gas emissions. So there's a there's two aspects to it really. Um, you know, and if we can if we can move to reuse, we can accomplish, you know, so much more. And it's ironic that we're doing this interview this week because um, we have World Refill Day on Wednesday. So there's a lot of um, celebrations going on across the country where we're, you know, um, championing businesses who are engaging in reuse. And I don't just mean in terms of coffee cups, I mean refill stores who accept your own containers. And
3: they're becoming really popular, the refill stores.
6: they, They really are. Like, one thing is for sure, conscious consumers are on the rise, you know, as we come out of COVID, people want to engage more. They've 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 become more um, connected with their um, local areas. They've become more connected with you know um, biodiversity because they're walking around. They're kind of taking in nature that's around them, and that connection. Is, is really important and people are more appreciated. Yeah, Yeah, we, we can
3: all do our little bit. Now, you would be disappointed here this morning. Good morning. One of the problems with the COVID situation are the cafes not accepting the cups to fill because of COVID risks. I've presented my own keep cup and they say, oh, we're not allowed to use that. So they give it to me in a paper cup and say, pour it into your own oh, cup. No. That makes no yeah. sense. And it doesn't because the single-use cup has been used. Yeah. Now, let's go back to the the quote
6: there. We're not allowed so who's not allowing this to happen and and there's a big misconception out there that the um food safety authority have said they're not allowed but that's not true if you, there and as they say there's great information on our website which gives you a direct link to the food safety authority in terms of you know, it's up to each business to decide what they want to do and they operate within their normal HACCP guidelines. So nobody has said they're not allowed to accept reusable cups. It, it is up to each business to decide what they want to do. And there may be reasons why a business feels that they don't want to accept reusable cups at the moment, but that's their decision. It's not, It's there's nothing in the guidelines to say. Yeah, and, if,
3: uh, and I would suggest to that uh, Texter, if they're saying because of the risk of COVID, I would send them on to to your website uh, Conscious Cups uh, Sorka and tell them to look at the little video on contactless cups contactless coffee uh, if yeah. to, so that nobody gets to touch it because the figures on single use cups are mind blowing 500 billion single use cups globally go to landfill one, it's 1 million cups a minute every hour of every day of every year it's shocking yeah. it has to stop listen uh, Sorka well you. done uh, you're, and you've got a great website uh, Conscious Cups
6: conscious cup www.consciouscup.ie follow us on Instagram we're posting um, uh, anyone who um, is accepting reusable cups cafes we like to highlight that and promote it because people are trying to find them they, they've got their cups in the cupboard they don't they want, want to, to use go them. back they yeah. yeah, they That's don't it. want to go back and, and the business is being lost because people who have engaged in reusables do not want to ever be caught with a disposable
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well done well done, listen Sorka, enjoy I your do. chat thank you for that All right. and thanks Stay for joining care. us good morning to you, that is Sorka Kavanagh of a con- the Conscious Cup campaign, consciouscup.ie 1850 333 103, we're going to take a break, news at 11 on the way. Cork today on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack insurances can sale Now part of mccarthy insurance group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed
3: well, Somebody is asking, where's this text uh, gone from a listener saying, this is from Angela, is anybody else having problems with Virgin Media today? I can't ring anyone, says Angela. And I know John Paul is trying to see if anything has gone up online about Virgin Media. So we'll just do it as a shout out to see, is anybody else uh, Virgin Media for your, f- your phone supplier are you having a problem or is it just the area that Angela's in? And it's come in as a WhatsApp, so I don't exactly know where Angela is texting us uh, from. So if anybody, uh, Virgin Media, are you having problems with your phone today? 1850 333 103. Also, just to let you know, the HSE have confirmed that the South Dock in Blackpool, will reopen on Monday the 6th of September. I thought when I saw this coming in from John Paul that I was going to be announcing it was opening next Monday, but it's not. But at least they've given a timeline for its reopening because that has been hugely inconvenient for a lot of people in parts of uh, Cork City. So Blackpool South Dock to reopen on the 6th of September. And Murder at the Cottage, the that's the Jim Sheridan series about the death of Sophie Tuscón de Plantier. It was due to go on Sky couple of weeks ago now and everybody was looking for it and then it suddenly didn't appear and we got onto Sky and they said oh it was a scheduling uh, issue and they promised us that they would let us know when they had a new date as to when it's going to go when it's going to feature on TV well they've been back on uh, to tell us that it will be available on Sky from Sunday next the 20th of June okay that's Murder at the Cottage the Jim Sheridan programme about the death of Suffolk just going to plant here. and I saw actually last night I was watching Sky and they had a little trailer up on it, and it'll be a really interesting program. But all of the series, all of the series, will be available from downloading. Is next next Sunday? Is the twentieth? It is end yeah. from from next Sunday, the twentieth of June. We're going to be talking about defibrillators. Uh, later on, we're going to be talking about uh, Christian Eriksson. Wasn't that shocking? What happened to that young footballer? To actually watch him drop. And you could see one of his own team members instantly realised that he hadn't just fallen over or tripped over because he, he could see him running across the field uh, to get over uh, to him and only for a defib because his doctors come out to say that they had to defib. Now they only had to defib once and they got him back but they had lost him but thankfully the defibrillator was available. But that's got Pat in from wide thinking who maintains the defibrillators that are in every town and indeed some villages all around the country. Pat feels that there should be one overall group who should be maintaining it rather than leaving it up to local committees or local organizations because he said what happens if there's an emergency and you go to use it and the battery isn't working the battery has fallen flat and I, I don't know the answer to that but I'm assuming it's the groups involved with getting the defibrillator into a particular area I'm assuming they're the ones that keep a check up on it to make sure because the big one would be the battery but the big one would be to make sure that the battery is charged at all times so I'm, I'm assuming that there is a no, there is a group locally but I know the point you're making should there be some kind of an overall organisation that would maintain and would just keep an eye on all of the defibrillators and make sure that all of them are uh, working. I think you've got a good suggestion there Pat. Thank you for that. Now I mentioned earlier when I was on my staycations last week that the one thing I noticed was the amount of young staff that are working and young inexperienced staff we always expect a young staff particularly during the summer months but there just seem to be really a lack of experience and this is to do with you know the businesses working to open I suppose even trying to get them in uh, to train them in and for all of us then as the customers when we're supporting our local hotels and our local restaurants uh, to please have a little bit of patience with some of the younger staff as you know they're learning the ropes and they'll. Be, by the end of the summer they'll be fantastic and then it'll be time for them to go back to school or to go back to college but just have a little bit of patience with them but somebody has sent in a text saying it's lovely to see young people working in hotels and restaurants but this listener feels what they are being paid is so, so low uh, Texas says, no wonder so many left the industry, they get paid shocking wages. Well, I, I don't know what the going going rate is for a young waiter or a young waitress, but I, there are labour laws there. It has to be the minimum wage. Now, they work hard if it is, if they are just working for the minimum wage. But isn't that where tipping comes into it? And it's, it's one of the reasons whenever I go, unless the service would have to be absolutely disastrous and it would have to be a member of staff being almost rude to me. I can't think of there's only one occasion it was in a restaurant in Dublin where I didn't leave a tip. I always leave a tip and even if I know I'm going to a restaurant where I'm going to pay on a card I would always have cash with me to tip the waitress or waiter whoever's been serving my table and I know you can add a tip on when you're signing on you know when you're paying the bill by by the card but I'm always fearful that the person serving me won't get it because you know you hear all a lot of it could be anecdotally you'll hear stories of people saying oh if the money comes in on a credit card not all restaurants pass it on or it's not evenly distributed between all of the staff so I always make a point of trying to get to whoever served my table uh, to hand them the tip but I think that's where if they are being so badly paid and if it is just a minimum wage Job, which I'm assuming it probably is, then it's up to us to make sure that we that we tip. And I think it was many many years ago. I was in a restaurant, actually. Funny enough, over in London with an English friend of mine, and she was she was giving a very generous tip inside in a restaurant. I said, "God, you've been you're being really generous." And it was a lovely young girl was serving her table, and she said she said I remember being in college, over in England, and uh, she said I remember my, as a college student I worked throughout my college years and you know the bit of pocket money I got I earned in restaurants and she said we we were always low paid she said we had really we were really badly paid the students were and she said it was only for the generosity of tippers that kept me going and that kind of stuck in my mind and that's why particularly when I see young people I'm always aware that they might be earning that much money and that's why I always I'm always somebody who tips for that reason anyway on that same topic hi patricia welcome back thank you glad that you enjoyed your week off i heard you say i uh, talk about the staff on your Program in restaurants and how they are young starting off. Well, I have to tell you, I was in a restaurant last week with my daughter. It was in West Cork. It was outrageous what they were charging. Many of the people in there were locals. So my daughter asked for a bowl of soup and she got one slice of bread with it. She asked for a second slice of bread and when the bill arrived, she got charged an extra 75 cent I thought it was pure robbery. For an extra slice of bread, you could get a full packet of brown bread in the local supermarket for 79 cents. Uh, I would like you to ask how other listeners out there, what kind of experience they have of food and ice cream. Thanking you from West Cork. Listener, listener, have, have others noticed that prices have uh, gone up? I know when I was away last week, the one... Item that stood out for me on a bill when I was paying a bill. It was after one of our lunches, it was in a hotel. And when the lunch, at the end of the lunch, we decided we'd get a cup of coffee and there were two, you know, very small little cups of coffee arrived and we were charged eight euro for the two uh, cups of coffee. And I thought that was a bit expensive at the end of having, you know, we'd had a glass of wine at the meal with a couple of glasses of wine at the meal and, you know, had had a nice lunch. I thought that was, I just thought that was a bit expensive for the, the cup of coffee. But having said that when i was in and the same restaurant having lunch and Marsha was having soup and bread and she likes just plain, you know, the white bread from a slice pan just like any of your fancy rolls or any of your round bread. She's a white bread white bread girl with a little bit of butter on the top of it and when her bowl of soup arrived there was only one slice of bread with it and I asked for, for and she'd eaten that and she signed that she wanted another slice so I asked for another slice and they didn't charge me and I actually made a note of seeing did they, but they, but they didn't. So I suppose it varies from restaurant to re- restaurant. But being charged seven Twenty-five cents for an extra slice of brown bread. Do listeners find that excessive? That's what our listener wants to know. 1850 333 103. And somebody else says, I'm wondering are other people finding it impossible to see back the Killarney Road when trying to cross a Ballymacquark. It's due to overgrown hedgerows. Ballymacquark crosses where... hopefully that is going to be sort, and it will be sorted out. We know that the the works are underway or the planning is underway to get that what's been deemed one of the most dangerous junctions, not just here in Cork, indeed, in the country. But at this time of the year, when the hedges get overgrown and the verges get over overgrown, it can become really, really dangerous. So are other people noticing that, that the hedgerows Really need to be cut back. A Ballymacqrk cross. This listener saying finding really really difficult to see that back the Killarney roadside of it when trying to come out from that cross. 1850-333-103 and then a couple of people in about AstraZeneca and waiting on their second jab. Hi Patricia, in my early 60s I got my first jab on the 7th of May. Now I'd like to know when will I be getting my second jab? I've underlying conditions. That's from Catherine uh, listening to the programme and enjoying it in Glamire Good to have you along Catherine. I unfortunately can't give you the exact date and when you're getting the jab. But if you got it at the start of May, you, when you got it at the start of May, it would have been the 12-week rule, which would have been the 7th of May, 7th of June, July. Or You would be due to get it until the beginning of August. Now, that's been brought back to eight weeks. So you should be expecting to get it around the beginning of July, I imagine you're, you will expect uh, to get it. Because I think people... Uh, who got it later like you in May I think you will perhaps only have to wait the eight weeks it's the people who got it earlier like in March and April they're coming up to their 12 weeks already and as Colum Henry from the HSE said it's just taking time from an administration point of view to reduce the 12 weeks to the eight weeks so I imagine you'll possibly only wait about the eight weeks uh, Catherine so hang in there you will get your date and your appointment and here's somebody proving that to say hi Patricia my husband was due to get his his AstraZeneca second jab on the 1st of July. That would have been based on waiting 12 weeks. He got a text on Saturday to say his appointment is next Friday morning, the 18th of June. Happy days. So he will have waited 10 weeks instead of 12. So they are starting to uh, get through it. So anybody out there with the AstraZeneca waiting on the 2nd, have patience. Your appointment will arrive and they really are doing their very very best 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103, 103 C103 Jobs Playgroup Manager slash Playgroup Leader wanted it's for 22 and a half hours per week and it's in Reiner Screener Applicants must have a minimum of level six QQI qualification. A home carer is wanted, that's for an elderly lady with dementia that's in the bandon area, while mechanically orientated person is wanted to train in repair and service of pressure washers. Sale and sales and counter staff also required, and a fitter mechanic. Mechanic is wanted for a plant and tool hire business that's based in Mallow. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more, this is C103.
0: Court Today on C103.
4: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G I-E.
3: Tomorrow, June 15th, is World Elder Abuse Day, which will focus global attention on the problem of physical, emotional and financial abuse of older people to chat about this issue and to hear some of the stories related to Senior Line. I'm joined by their communications manager, that is Anne Dempsey. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Um, As always, a pleasure to uh, speak with you. I suppose, how do you define elder abuse?
7: Good question. Elder abuse was defined by the HSE almost 20 years ago, Patricia, and I think no death better definition has yet come up. They define it as a single or repeated act or lack of action that occurs within a relationship where there is an expectation of trust and I think that's an important kind of clause. An expectation of trust which causes harm or distress to an older person or violate, violates their human and civil rights. That's quite comprehensive.
3: Yeah, yeah. and it's, You see, I think when you when you say the word abuse, people straight away think of physical. It's gotta be physical. And and it does it doesn't. And sometimes I feel the abuse can be so subtle that the older person may not even realise or call it out as abuse. People
7: who come to us talking about elder abuse rarely use the phrase Patricia. They say like, you know, he's always getting at me or she's putting me down or my my, my, my daughter, she she's, you know, uh giving out to me or, you know, she's set, she's taking some money from my purse or there's a, there are all kind of subtle and far less subtle ways.
3: And during the pandemic there was a lot of publicity around uh, domestic abuse and uh, course of control in, in particular but a lot of that publicity was focused and, and rightly so focused on young women because a lot of women are suffering from course of control and uh, domestic abuse but has there been an increase in that type of abuse and, and in elder abuse since COVID arrived?
7: Well, sadly, we have found that there has been. that. Um, now, we, ne- we we don't get loads of calls around elder abuse, let's put it in context, but we get a regular number of calls, and they have been on the increase since COVID. And I think financial abuse has been on the increase, Um I think a lot of older people have been more isolated, more on their own, more tend to, more tend to kind of stay at home. And one of the ways in which elder abuse and indeed domestic abuse flourishes is in secrecy and when there is a lack of support. And the COVID conditions were very ripe for that,
5: I think.
3: And when older people contact Senior Line uh, about abuse, is it often the first time they've spoken about it to anyone, at
7: it can be. Um, I, I, I think. I think this is where the value of the phone call comes in, Patricia, and also that we're a peer-to-peer service. That is older people listening. So a lot of our callers who phone have a sense, and it's a big call to make that we will understand. I mean, imagine if you're wanting to say that your son is abusing you, uh, the the difficulty of that, how how hard it is to say that. But to say it to another mother, maybe, who maybe will understand the gravity and the size of that for you, is some help in feeling that you'll be heard and understood.
3: And if it's the person who's doing the caring that's doing the abuse is there a fear factor I can't speak up because what will happen to me I need that person to look after me.
7: Exactly that's the catch 22 that people want the uh, the abuse to end but the relationship to continue and that's the, a that's, that's the very difficult bit and that's why with elder abuse situations particularly familial elder abuse if it is a son or a daughter that Frequently, it's it's not just an event. It's a kind of a long, drawn-out kind of process. And we sometimes need to support callers over a period. And I suppose with that first call you've just mentioned, Patricia, we would, we would believe them and we would just listen quietly and encourage them and not be dreadfully shocked and make them feel worse, do you know. Mm. And we just would listen and we would, you know, begin discussing, if they're ready to discuss it, what safe action they can take. Safe being the operative word. And also, each of our volunteers has a list of the nine um, safeguarding officers, HSE safeguarding officers around the country. And we have those contact details that we can give a caller if a caller would like them. But, Often the caller doesn't want that, then they say, Look, it's been enough to tell you, and they know they can call us again. And so, something, a process, hopefully a positive process, has begun.
3: Because I take it there isn't a quick fix.
7: No. Yeah. No. Not sure. So, I mean, I've talked to to a lot of HSE people about this, and I'm sure you have too. And there's all kinds of reasons for uh, for familial abuse and elder abuse and domestic abuse. So, you know, because there's a variety of reasons, some Some of them very intransigent and some perhaps a bit simpler. They all have to be worked through. But the first thing is to kind of begin having somebody on your side, somebody to speak to, somebody that will help you look forward because you can feel it's very dark and there's nothing I can do. But there is frequently. And the thing is, what can you do in safety?
3: And you've highlighted some examples of some of the stories of abuse uh, shared with uh, Senior Line yeah. uh, that, that I think are worthy of mentioning. Uh, Kevin, you describe as a 66 year old widow who is on the family farm.
7: That's it. Now, Kevin isn't his real name. And at 66, he's not. Kevin isn't that old at all. He's and a young man. Sound of wind and limb. But the situation is um, he is being. Harassed by his son to sign over the family home and the family farm, and Kevin uh, still likes being his own man and working on his farm that he that he built up himself and While the day will come when he will hand over, he's not yet ready, which is his right i feel I mean in these situations, if maybe. The, this father and son can be encouraged to discuss it but it, it, it's the bullying aspect it, it's the kind of coercion it's the kind of imbalance of power that's the wrong piece here and so Kevin needs support to try and stand his own ground and maybe seek a bit of legal help if that will give strength to his elbow
3: And Kevin is fearful that if he does sign over the family home and the family farm that that'll be it, is it? He, that he'll, he'll have no future?
7: That would be it. Or the next thing might be a nursing home. The next thing would be out of the place altogether. You know, I mean, that's the that's the way. We have a number of callers in different situations regarding financial abuse, which is a big thing on senior line. And again, so many can feel it's the thin end of the wedge.
3: It's hard to believe that somebody could, could sign over a family farm and a family home and then find themselves in a nursing home because
7: of it. Well, Yeah, it is. And I don't think it will happen tomorrow. But it's just the feeling of insecurity and lack of confidence. And, you know, I think when people are ready to have the conversation with some kind of mutuality and some kind of equality, that's grand. But if there's something coming in to force the issue and if you're beginning to feel just not as kind of strong as you were in some ways, you know, in yourself that you know the fact that he's a widower the fact that his, his wife has died so sometimes you know when callers phone us, they're on their own there isn't the kind of circle of support and um, th- there's a few things in place that can lend themselves to elder abuse
3: yeah and again that's that is a typical example that a number of people wouldn't even have realized that that was abuse
7: very rarely, uh, callers don't use the words. you know, saying my son is abusing me. They say, look, I'm in a pickle here, I'm very worried, can I talk to you about something? And that's what emerges. But we correctly define it as elder abuse because that's what it is.
3: Mm. And then another story was Bridget, who's who's only 62 um, and she, she has never felt free of the influence of her husband's extended family. Now I think there's a number of people listening might identify with with Bernadette's story.
7: Yes, yes, and again, it can happen any part of Ireland, but I think it's more maybe a rural thing where a family, a family is is, is a business as well as a, a family, and this caller has been phoning us for some time and she's been entrenched in this situation for many years and the kind of their family grip over her freedom has kind of tightened and she now has to ask permission for this is a terrible thing to say but she has permission if she's to take the car out to shop now.
3: Whoa Yeah. Whoa that's and she's all of her married life has probably been like that. It, 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 it has. It started
7: off sadly on the wrong foot, and it's kept like that. And her husband's parents uh, are, are still well. Her her husband's mother is dead, but the father's still alive. And um, you know, it, it's. This is a woman who who has lost so much autonomy and so much self-confidence over the years. So part of what our role is trying to do is trying to, again, build her up and have her value herself and discuss with her what options she has. It's a very, very difficult situation. And as you said, say, Patricia, it's not uncommon.
3: Yeah, and it is possible for her to rebuild and, and almost find herself. You know, you hear people being, being lost but she needs to rebuild her self esteem and, in some way, find herself again.
7: She does. She does. And what we're doing with her at the moment is something very easy. easily. Just kind of what what she likes doing. You know, she's very good at she's very good with handcrafts. And what can she do to begin giving her pleasure and affirm herself, and then build herself up in small ways? And then I wonder she's kind of lost a lot of her friends. Could they be, you know, could there be moves around? Because she just needs a support system for herself to begin having her own place, her own self, her own self-esteem, that, as you say, that she can't re-find herself.
3: Mm. And how busy uh, do you continue to be at Senior Line Ad? Well, we were extraordinarily busy at the start of the pandemic yeah.
7: because we got a whole raft of new callers uh, who wouldn't have... Hitherto identify themselves as older, and suddenly they were cast into this particular yeah, demographic that were old and fail had to go at home and stay go home and stay at home and That was very hard to hear, even though the message was kindly meant it wasn't conveyed in a kindly way now since then calls they've retained at a higher level, but they have gone down from that very high point but we've we've never been as busy
8: wow.
3: And it's and you, are you, how have you managed through the pandemic? You're obviously you're operating. People are up, are answering the phones in their own homes. Is that how it, you're doing it?
7: People are operating from home. We've a whole a very efficient rotas system, Patricia. That each. A set of volunteers are on for a three hour rota, and the free phone number is switched around from volunteer to volunteer seamlessly so that it, as far as the caller is concerned they're phoning the same number but they are going to—they're connected to different places mm-hmm. but because our callers are working from home they need a lot of support from us as well so we've never been as close to our volunteers which is lovely in one way and it's uh, we have a, a team meeting every week and we have volunteers Meetings just for uh, we call it a volunteer coffee morning just for chat and social, and then we have a, a volunteer workshop meeting where there's, it's, it's more of a continuous professional development. So we're busy at the behind the scenes as well on the admins.
3: Well done. Well done. And what would you say to somebody listening to encourage them to reach out and call Senior Line?
7: I would say to them, we're there. You're, if you're an older person, if you have a problem, if you're an older person just feeling a bit lonely, if you're just fed up with this pandemic, if you want a question, answer, whatever it is, we're older people like you. We understand, we're trained, we're we're there, we're welcoming, we're so interested.
3: Well done, well done. And it's one 800 that's it, Isn't that it. And it's 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And that's seven days a week. Every day. Every day. Well done. Well done. You're sure. a your, 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 your mighty group. I'll give you that. <laughs> Listen, Anne, it's always a pleasure. Uh, mind yourself and stay safe. Thanks, so much. thanks a Good million bye bye and MC um, Communications Manager with Senior Line 1-800-8045-91 that's Senior Line's number if you want to give them a call and Angela who'd been on to us earlier saying could we find out if anyone was having a problem with uh, Virgin Mobile she's been Virgin Media she's, she can't make any calls and she was saying was it just her was it just something pertaining to her area we are getting reports of problems with Virgin Media Mobile since uh, this morning and uh, Virgin Media Mobile Aware of it and obviously are working on it. So it's not just your good self Angela. It seems to be a, a problem. I don't know if it's just pertaining to this area or if it's nationwide or not but they are aware of it. 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103
0: 103 Court Today on C103
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie This
3: month's Citizens Information slot is on travel, consumer rights and bank holiday entitlements. And joining me this morning is Karen Crowley. Karen is the Information Officer with the South Munster Service, which is based at the Mallow Citizens Information Centre. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. And I'm very well, thank you. And you're welcome uh, to the programme. Now, just to explain to people, you're you're still fully operational, but it's behind closed doors at Citizens Information. Is that still the same? Absolutely.
9: We're currently open behind closed doors and providing our full service by phone and email. It's the very same information, advice and advocacy service that we have always provided, and it's the same free, confidential and non-judgmental service. Now, we do realise that there are times when somebody really needs an emergency appointment, and we will cater for that if we can. Some of our centres are in a position to offer this on a limited basis, but really, it's always best to give us a call and we'll talk through the query and the best way of responding. Because quite simply, we have found since the start of this, when we moved to the phones, that we can actually resolve, I think, 90% of of issues over the phone or via email and by post.
3: Wow, is that, as many as that. And are you as busy or busier? Do you know what? I suppose
9: our service has changed so much in, in the last year and a half since COVID started that it I would certainly say that we're busier. I mean, the, the queries may have changed, but we are extremely busy, mm. so always hopping. I suppose we don't have the traditional setup, and, and we really do miss the face to face meetings with, with callers and certainly working with our volunteers. Yeah, we're extremely busy at the moment.
3: OK, but the phone system certainly is, is working uh, well. Now, we are uh, today's uh, f- one of today's features is travel. Now, where can we travel to at the moment? What's, what's the guidelines? What's the recommendations?
9: Well, right now you can travel anywhere you want within Ireland. And with a weekend like we've just had, <laughs> that's amazing.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and there was <laughs> many people out and about over the weekends. There
9: was, but unfortunately, as we're not guaranteed that, um, mm. people are looking to come and go. So there are restrictions on travelling into and out of Ireland. So essentially you should not travel into Ireland until, unless you have an essential reason. Now, I spoke with the Department of Foreign Affairs recently and I said, lads, tell me what's considered essential. And they indicated that that was any reason that falls within a family emergency, travel for work or a medical need. And I suppose it has to be said they did stress that no matter how much you feel you need that holiday, it will never come under an essential reason.
3: OK. So I, <laughs> okay. I, I want to visit of son and want to go to the south of France is not essential travel.
9: No, not right now anyway. OK. So the examples that they gave me would be travel to care for a relative or exercising your legal right to see a child or possibly attending a family funeral. Now also, if you do have to travel into Ireland, you must have proof of a negative test taken within 72 hours of your arrival and you will have to fill out that passenger locator form and you'll also have to quarantine when
3: you arrive. Okay, so that's people coming into uh, Ireland and then people leaving Ireland?
9: Leaving Ireland, well, we have similar rules right now for leaving Ireland. But that is going to change from the 19th of July when the digital certificate is introduced. Until then, however, it is really important to remember that we can still be fined for €2,000 Euros if we're found to be taking a non-essential trip. And that's a big and ouch. Yeah, and, yeah,
3: and we, did, we did see people getting caught at the airport. The, the Gardaí were at the airport and people were fined.
9: They were and they seem to be ramping it up because I, I had cause to go to the airport myself about a month ago. I just had to drive in and out and there was nobody there. So they're obviously ramping things up at the moment um, with, with the warmer weather, I suppose, and as we're going into tourist season. So be very aware it may not be worth your while to take that chance.
3: And with more and more people getting vaccinated, people getting their second jabs, people waiting the allocated time and deeming themselves fully vaccinated, there are people who are looking towards the 19th of July and this digital uh, search. Can you just explain to us how that's going to operate?
9: OK, this, this is going to be great. I myself have one of these people that okay. are waiting for it to happen. So Ireland is going to operate the EU digital COVID search for travel originating within the EU and EA. So the certificate is going to show one of three things. Okay, it's going to show that you're either vaccinated against COVID-19, that you've recovered from COVID-19 in the past nine months, or that you've a negative PCR test taken no more than 72 hours before arrival. So it's going to allow really a, a lot of freedom at last working and traveling within the EU.
3: And again, you're going to have to check in, though, when you decide what country you're going to visit because Absolutely. rules within individual countries can change. We saw even what happened to people from the UK who travelled to Portugal. Suddenly there was a spike in numbers in Portugal and the, e- the UK, you know, there was a big scramble yeah. to get back home again. There, so was, there
9: was a mad rage. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have to be
3: conscious of that.
9: If, if we'll say if you're abroad and you, you start to hear rumblings I would be looking onto the Department of Foreign Affairs websites
3: straight yeah. away.
9: That's I mean, they would be my go to and they're absolutely fantastic actually to deal with. But they will they will be giving notifications if there's any changes coming. And look, rumors rumors do go out, so we usually do get a few days' notice. But yeah, absolutely, even if you have your holiday booked for will stay after July 19th, you're still going to have to keep checking things out.
3: And be prepared if you need to get home in quickly, that you, you you may need to. Now you've been talking about the digital certificate and it pertains to the EU and the EEA but of course the UK is no longer in the EU so what happens with the UK and travel to and from the UK?
9: Well it's not included in the digital certificate at this time, so right now as of today a person a person travelling from Ireland to the UK does not need a negative COVID test or to quarantine on arrival. However, this isn't working both ways. And I suppose we're listening even more on the radio this morning that, that this isn't going to change anytime soon, I believe. So if you're travelling from Ireland to the, or from the UK, sorry, to Ireland, you do need that negative PCR test and you do need to quarantine on arrival. The only exception is if your journey starts in Northern Ireland and uh, so, look, we just have to wait and see what happens there up to today, and I suppose even now it's a five days quarantine, and if you get your negative pcr you're free to go about your business. but as we said we've I've just received a media scan myself um this morning stating that you know it looks like change is afoot, so yeah, they're talking to a afoot. Yeah, they're talking
3: about that five days might go to 10 days. So you, yeah, do, you, you, you do need to be aware of that. Now, what if I cancel my package holiday because of government advice for non-essential travel? What happens?
9: OK, so if you've booked that holiday, on, you know, because the search is coming in, we would say that if you've booked it as a package holiday, you actually have more rights as a consumer than if you had booked your flights and accommodation separately. But there is criteria to be met. So a package holiday must last longer than 24 hours and it will include two of the following. So transport, accommodation, car rental and travel excursions. So you need two of those in order for it to be qualified as a package holiday and they must be booked together. So you have the right to cancel your booking for free before the start of the holiday in the event of unavoidable and extraordinary circumstances and I suppose COVID would certainly come into that. Mm. And this includes disease or serious conditions at the destination. So we'll say if you have, if you have booked and suddenly, uh, as you said, we keep on top of things, suddenly wherever uh, you've booked has shut down, then this you know would play into this so if you want to cancel a holiday that is outside of the travel restrictions however you're not guaranteed a refund so we would be saying check those terms and conditions before you actually book the holiday
3: you can't just suddenly change your mind because you suddenly don't fancy going what if the flights are still operating because that was something that really happened at the start of the pandemic last year
9: It did, absolutely, but again, this is where the the beauty of the package holiday legislation, it protects your right to full refund in certain circumstances. So the the circumstances are, like I said before, in the event of unavoidable and extraordinary circumstances, but also where a significant part of your package holiday has been affected. So if the flights are still operating but your accommodation has gone into lockdown and is shut down, then obviously a significant part of your package has been affected and you are fully covered under the package holiday legislation.
3: Can the travel operator offer you a credit note instead? Do you have to take it? Well,
9: they can offer it,
3: but you don't have to take it. You
9: can still insist on your full refund. The credit notes are state guaranteed, though, so you wouldn't actually be at a loss if you did accept it. And you can always exchange it for its cash value nine months from the date it was issued if you haven't used it.
3: OK, and there's one other topic we want to chat to you about and this is to do with bank holidays and we've just had a bank holiday but of course our next one is the August bank holiday and that might tie in with the start of people going back to work because there's so much talk of people returning to work in August rather than uh, September. Are, will people be entitled to that bank holiday even if they're only just back at work?
9: Do you know they should be? I mean we have more than five weeks to go so, and we are asked this quite a bit at the moment. And what we would say to people is, look, during layoff layoff or short-time working, you are still employed by your employer. So it means that you're entitled to benefit for any public holidays that occur during the first 13 weeks of layoff. Part-time employees, then it's slightly different. They must have worked at least 40 hours in the previous five weeks before the public holiday. So that's 40 hours spread out over five weeks, not 40 hours per week. So, as I said, as we've more than five weeks until the next bank holiday, it's likely anyone who has returned to work will have an entitlement to some form of benefit and that's whether you are full-time or part-time now it changes a bit then as to your entitlement as to whether you actually work on that bank holiday or not so if you normally work on a bank holiday you'll benefit from that day off but if you do not normally work on it then you should receive one-fifth of your weekly pay or possibly time off in lieu and if you're required to work that day which we may see with the hospitality industry or, or other frontline services, you should receive an additional day's pay.
3: What if I'm on sick leave?
9: Yeah, a million-dollar question. <laughs> we get that quite a bit too. If you're a full-time worker on sick leave during a public holiday, you're entitled to the benefit from the public holiday. There's no question. And in this case, your employer can choose to pay you as normal, so your bank holiday entitlement is covered that way. Now, if you're a part-time worker, you may have an entitlement. So again, have you worked 40 hours in the previous five weeks. That's what we would be looking at. Now, I would suggest that anyone that has queries on holiday entitlements should give us a call because there's so many little rules and regulations about it that instead of trying to figure it out yourself, do you know what, give us a ring. We're doing it every day and we're always on the end of the phone to offer information
3: and advice. Well done, well done. And finally, John, this is back to travel, has a question for you. Do you need a valid reason to come into Ireland if you're travelling from the UK, if you have a negative PCR test and if you are Fully vaccinated
9: at the moment the
3: answer is yes you do need a valid reason you okay you need a All valid right. reason yeah okay you uh, are a mine of information uh Karen people can contact you how and where the best
9: way to for your listeners to contact us you can contact myself in mallow and i'm on zero seven six one zero seven eight thousand or if you want to make contact with the West Cork office, then that's zero seven six one zero seven eighty three ninety. And, you know, I know a lot of people won't have pens in hand at the moment. So go onto our website citizensinformation.ie and the list of your local centre will be there with the
3: relevant phone okay. number. And it's a brilliant, up to date website. I have to say, you guys really stay on top of that website. Listen, uh, well. Karen, a pleasure. We'll talk again. Thanks for that, Thank and thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. You too. That's Karen uh, Crowley, information officer with the South Munster Citizens Information Centre at the Mallow Centre.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Some of your calls and comments coming into the uh, programme we mentioned earlier when we were doing our piece with uh, Karen on Citizens Information when we were talking about travel, that the health minister, Stephen Donnelly, is expected to announce stricter home quarantine measures for unvaccinated people travelling from Britain. And that's expected to happen this week at the moment. Uh, British travellers can currently end home quarantine after five days. That's if they have a negative PCR test and that is expected to increase to 10 days for unvaccinated people travelling from Britain to Ireland. But of course, the problem that we have at the moment is to do with people crossing over the border. And some people are saying, you know, with the hotel quarantining, why are we not asking people coming from Britain to go into hotel quarantine and it is expected that Britain will not be added to the state's mandatory hotel uh, quarantine and that's because of the implications that would be caused by the border uh, with Northern Ireland. Well John in the City was talking about Michael O'Leary of Ryanair. Air I don't know how many people heard Michael O'Leary over the weekend in an interview he gave he was really angry about people being expected to come into this uh, people coming into flying into Ireland that they need to be tested they need to have a negative PCR uh, test and he was using the example of of Northern Ireland yet they can fly into the north and then they can drive down over the border and have no test at all. Uh, he was making absolutely no sense to Michael O'Leary and John in the City is saying the same because he said it's affecting the whole country. John feels the border should be closed only for essential travel. The very same way as we're saying to people coming from the UK, you only can only get on a plane. They're saying Unless it's, um, unless it's essential travel you shouldn't be doing it for non-essential travel and a holiday is not deemed essential travel John feels the very same thing should be happening we should be closing off the border between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland John was in the city on Saturday evening he said the amount of people in the city he's never in all of his years of living in Cork City seen that amount of people he said I don't think people can go into another lockdown so he would be in favour of closing off the border to Northern Ireland and keeping the Republic open because he said, I don't think people can sustain another lockdown. He said there will be massive civil disobedience if we were to go back into uh, lockdown. And uh, he reckons the only reason we would go back into lockdown uh, would be if we leave the borders open and if, because we know what's happening over in the UK with this Delta variant and they have the Delta variant in the north uh, as well. And I know the government is monitoring the situation in uh, Britain. And of course, in Britain, they've decided to postpone plans. They were hoping to fully reopen the country in Britain this day week. Monday the 21st of July and this is because of the Delta variant. They're saying no they're not going to be able to have the full reopening. So data on the effect of indoor dining because obviously Britain are ahead of us on indoor dining as indeed are they in Northern Ireland ahead of us on indoor dining. So data on the effect of indoor dining and mass gatherings that have already started to resume in Britain that's going to be studied by our public health experts here and obviously that will help Neffet when they make their final recommendation on the easing of restrictions in July because we are expecting indoor dining to come back in July but that has to be fully signed off. It has to be recommended by NEFET then it will have to go to Cabinet and then Cabinet will have to fully sign off on it. So certainly all eyes are on Britain at the moment to see what is happening there. But they have a problem with this Delta variant, the variant that was originally discovered in India. I think now 90% of all of the cases now in Britain is to do with this Delta variant and it is a variant of uh, concern. Uh, so obviously we're keeping a close eye on that. So John is just worried that if we bring in the Delta variant, God knows we saw what happened with Christmas with the Kent variant. We had some of it in this country, but then we allowed people to travel over and back from the UK and indeed from other countries but we allowed people to freely travel around we allowed people to gather to gather in homes hospitality was open and then bang we went back into our toughest lockdown i mean that's what we're coming out of at the moment and uh, john in the city reckons absolutely nobody will be able to cope or would want to cope with another lockdown and I, th- I, think, yeah, I think a lot of people will agree with you on that i just i would hate to think that we would there would be civil unrest as a result of it now i've been talking about restaurants opening up and hotels opening up and young people working uh, in them that I noticed when I was on my staycation I stayed in two different hotels uh, last week and I couldn't get over the number of young people and people just need to be kind to young people as they are finding their feet. Tom in from says those people that are giving out about those young people why are they going into those places if they're cribbing? The younger people need a chance to learn. We were all a bit green starting off. And uh, Tom now I don't know where you're picking up on that I was making the point that in what I noticed was they were young people. I wasn't cripping. I was delighted that they had the young people working because if they didn't get workers there wouldn't be anybody there. These places wouldn't be able to open up and we know that hospitality has struggled and continues to struggle to find uh, workers. So I don't think anybody was cripping. The point I was saying to people were when you are going out to just be very patient with some of the young staff because they are finding uh, their feet and they will come up to speed very, very quickly indeed. So I don't think anybody was cripping about the young people. What most people are cribbing about is to do with cost. And then of course I mentioned tips when somebody said a lot of those young people don't get paid uh, a lot. I was saying it it has to be by law it has to be the minimum uh, wage and that's where tipping comes into it and where we as the customer have got to be kind when we tip people. Martina Immacroom says, my daughter worked in a restaurant and there was lots of tips used to come in and they used to go into a central pot and then be divided. But says Martina in McCroom. The owner used to divide the tips between the staff and himself. And Martina felt that that was a bit uh, strange and she felt it was also wrong that it should have gone directly to staff. Now, again, I don't know, does that happen everywhere where the owner of the restaurant, who I suppose, let's play the devil's advocate here on behalf of the owner, the owner is probably saying, well, I'm working in the restaurant, you know, side by side with the rest of the staff and it's obviously as the owner you assume is working as hard, if not harder than the rest of the staff. So is the owner of the restaurant entitled to a slice of the tips as the owner has been working. out, it would be very different if the owner wasn't working in the restaurant and was just coming in and suddenly dividing it up. I would have a huge problem with that but if the owner is actually working inside in the restaurant, is he or she, the owner, entitled to a share of the tips as well? Your thoughts on that please. 1850 333 Also coming in on tipping, the washing up staff and the dessert makers get no share of tips. If somebody leaves a tip, it goes to the waitress or the waiter only. Nothing to the washing up staff or the the dessert makers. And the dessert makers are the ones who make those fancy desserts and make your teas and coffees. And this is somebody speaking from experience because this person is an ex washing up. Worker and never got a share in the tips. Well, because when I made the point that I like to hand it to the waitress, and then ugh, I assume that in a lot of premises that that's the way it goes. It goes into, then that person puts it into a central jar, and at the end of, I don't know if it's at the end of every day, is it at the end of every week, it gets divided up, but Here's somebody saying as a washing up worker, somebody working behind the scenes, they get absolutely no share of the tips at all. Again, I'm assuming that that will vary from establishment to establishment, will it? Joel says, Patricia, regarding tips in... Restaurants. I would like to think that when tips are collected during the day or the end of the week that they're shared equally between the kitchen and the waiters and the waitresses, kitchen staff would lose out otherwise if they only go to the front of house staff. Hi, Patricia. I can't understand how in some restaurants they they charge the same price for takeaway meals as they do for sit down meals. Can anybody in the industry explain that uh, Yeah, takeaway? And I'm trying to think of where somebody I get a take, where I get takeaway from. I, I don't know if it's the same price for sit down or not. But anyway, obviously, somebody speaking from experience somewhere where they go, it's the same charge if you're taking the food away as if you're sitting inside and and I'm assuming you think to actually sit down at the restaurant you should be charged more because there's obviously extra costs involved with serving and with cleaning up uh, afterwards. Obviously all the same food and the cooking of the food will be exactly the same. The same costs will be involved in that but somebody actually sitting on a premises and having the food inside surely should be more expensive than if you're taking it in a takeaway container. Hi Patricia, listening to you about the person That was charged 75 cents for an extra slice of brown bread. Well, before the last lockdown, I went out for a meal with my girlfriend to a very well-known hotel. We had tea after the meal and we asked, could we have an extra pot of hot water, please? Julie came and the same. When we got the bill, we were charged an extra 20 cents for the extra pot of hot water. I wonder if I could sell my own tap water. Ha, Thanking you, Now, again, I the well-known hotel isn't named here if I got onto the well-known hotel they would say well we had to there was the charge was not for the actual water I'm assuming the charge was for making the cold water hot in that there was a cost involved in that now again I've been in a lot of premises where they'll do that I've been in a lot of premises where they'll do a top-up I love the restaurants that do that where they give free top-ups on your coffee I think that's that's fantastic but I've been in a lot of places where I've seen people and I've I've don't know if I've done it myself but I've certainly been in company with somebody who has asked for an extra pot of water because maybe they want to get extra out of the tea bag or the tea was a little bit too strong or whatever and it it isn't always the case that it is charged but here's somebody who got charged an extra 20 cent for a pot of an extra pot of boiling water. John says the only thing that didn't go up was the staff wages. I still think this country is rip off Ireland all you hear is that they get paid the minimum wage Well. For the amount of work that they are expected to do in hospitality, I think they should be getting more, said John. They are not paid enough. eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three. When we're talking of charges, as other people then talking about other items that have gone up. Somebody says, Hi Patricia, could you ask your listeners, has anybody else noticed when they're in they're doing their weekly shop or their midweek top up shop inside in the supermarket? that everything has gone up. Has anybody else noticed that? In all of the leading supermarkets, the cost of everything seems to have gone up. Anybody else noticed uh, that? Well, I know because of the VAT, do you remember the VAT had been lowered during the first lockdown across last year and a number of items then in the supermarket had come down a couple of cent and that VAT has gone back up to the normal price so those kind of things if it was to do with the VAT certainly yes you would have seen some increases but I don't know across the board has everything gone up Hi Patricia it isn't just food that has gone up I've just come back from a hardware store, €47 euro for two litres of paint. I didn't see the re- receipt until I, ca- I came home. I think it's a disgrace. Our companies fleecing the people of this country and our so-called government are standing back and laughing at us and I haven't got a clue how much a two-litre tin of paint costs. Or how much it did cost beforehand. 47 euro for a two litre tin of paint. Is that excessive or not? Has that gone up by much? And I don't know how much it was beforehand. And how much this at 47 euro is. Is that very expensive? Does anybody know much about the price of paint, please? 1850 Hi, Patricia. I got my second vaccination, which I'm delighted to have But on the day, I was really taken aback to find the doctors, the nurse and the clinical staff. None of them were wearing a mask. This, in my eyes, is bad practice and bad example, says Mary. And I'm assuming you went into a GP practice. The fact that you say doctors, nurse and the clerical staff. Now, they're all fully vaccinated at this stage. I know when you're fully vaccinated, it comes with a bonus, doesn't it? The vaccination bonus. That you don't have to wear masks when you're with another vaccinated uh, person. So I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm certainly. I was at a vaccination centre, so I can't respond to you from my experience. Everyone in the vaccination centre that I went to in Mallow, everybody had masks on. I'm thinking. When I pulled up in the car, there was security people, you know, directing me. Really such a such a well run service. Somebody directing me, telling me you to go to left. Somebody else showing me where to park. And then I went to the door. No, you know, that person had a mask on. Yeah, everybody, absolutely everybody had uh, masks on. So it's obviously at this person's GP practice. Anybody else seeing that? The, the people at GP practices not wearing their masks all of the uh, time. Michael and says, good morning, Patricia. This was when we did our discussion earlier on elder abuse. Michael Bantry was listening to the story of uh, Kevin, the 66-year-old 66 66 year widower who contacted Senior Line because he's been harassed by his son to sign over the family home and the family farm. Uh, Kevin is described as being in good good health. He still works with the animals. He's still working on the farm. And he's just concerned that if he agrees with it, that his son then is going to push him further to retire and he's afraid that he'll just lose complete control over his own wishes for the future. And of course, his ultimate fear is that if he signs over the family home and the family farm to the son, who's obviously working with him on the farm, he's fearful that he could end up in a nursing home if you know if he loses the right to his uh, home. Well, Michael in Bantry was listening to that and he says the the problem that you outlined with Kevin and his son on the farm is a very common problem. It's actually going on a lot. Kevin needs to stand up for himself. He needs to stay on his farm and he needs to keep ownership for his farm for as long as Kevin wants to be owner of that farm and wants to work on it, says Michael in Bantry, who feels it is a common problem. And that's obviously why he rang the line and they're supporting him through it. And I'm assuming that they're giving him pretty much the same advice. And I know you'll have younger people People saying that the older generation need to sign over farms and all of that, but even though I think if it comes to it and Kevin does get to the stage where he maybe his health is failing a little bit and maybe he's not able to work with the animals, and that you know he may want to retire from the farming side of it, I don't know you know if Kevin should sign over the family home, if the family home should remain in his name until the day he dies, and then in his will, if he, if it's the son is is due to get it uh, fine, but I don't know why the son is harassing him to sign over the family home and farm. I can maybe understand the farm if he's working the farm but the family home uh, should be Kevin's. But anyway Michael and Banshee reckons it's going on a lot and it's going on more than we actually realise. 1850 103 Can you keep your, I'm just looking at questions that are coming in for Annalise, keep those coming please. Uh, if you've got a question for Annalise you can keep them coming either by text or WhatsApp or you can also call John Paul at 1850 333 103 and can I remind you that we have a free Munch Monday going on here at SC103 today you've got a chance of winning a voucher for Prauline in Mitchelstown it's all to do with Cork reopening and because we have so many superb restaurants all of them deserve our support so we are giving away on our free Munch Munch Mondays, giving you the opportunity to get some great food and to win a voucher. Now, we have a food combination for you. You need to do this by text or WhatsApp only, please, to 0862 103. 103 and you need to text or WhatsApp the answer along with your name and address. Finish this food combination, please. Bacon and... Blank... What would you put with bacon? Bacon and blank. One of the probably the most common food com- popular food combination in this uh, country. That's a free Munch Monday. Text and WhatsApp only please your answer there to 1850 not to 1850, to 0862 103 103. And we'll do it for about 10 minutes and then we will announce our winner and somebody on this free munch Monday will be winning that lovely voucher for prowling in Mitchellstown. Get WhatsApping or texting, please. The C103 Cork Diary.
4: With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork.
3: Ballygown National School in Castletown Roach. They're currently fundraising for an AstroTurf area and they will hold a raffle with €8,000 worth of prizes up for grabs. It includes €2021 in cash, family breaks plus spending money, tech bundle and much more. Tickets are now on sale with the draw taking place on the 24th of June Full details on www.ballygown.ie Tickets are also available at idonate.ie And Dara Community Centre and Dara National School They are holding a smartphone quiz night It's happening on Thursday of this week from 9pm to 10.30pm The quiz is easy to play and it'll run through Zoom and smartphone Speed Quizzing Live app Registration is now open On the Dara Community Centre or Dara National School Facebook page Proceeds are going towards Developing the Children's Garden at Dara National School. And Timaleague Drive-In Bingo takes place next Sunday at the Grain Store Yard in Timaleague. Booking is open from today. And Kildallery Community Development will have their weekly lotto draw on Thursday at 4 o'clock in Kildallery Community Centre with a jackpot this week of €2,000.
4: Court Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk C-M-I-G.ie.
3: if you were watching soccer at the weekend part of the euro 2020 you would have been shocked to have seen uh, Denmark's
1: uh, Christian Eriksen suffer how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment
2: For a cardiac arrest he collapsed during the first
3: half of the Denmark versus Finland match. Our soccer correspondent trevor Welch uh, joins me uh, good afternoon to you trevor
5: afternoon Trish.
3: have had you ever witnessed anything like that happen before
10: um I know it did happen a, a footballer um way back i think um, if i 'm correct it happened in a european match um and I, I think it was actually uh, pronounced dead for 75 minutes, but he came back. Uh, they got him back. Uh, but uh, I think it has happened as well up north in a J-match J-A uh, where there's no defibrillator. And um, a player uh, passed away, I think, from it. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a terrifying incident, um, you know, played out in front of a global audience in television, Trish. It really was uh, frightening, I have to say. And only for the quick uh, action of the referee, players and medics you know, it was crucial in reviving uh, Christian Eriksson. He's 29 years of age, finely tuned, athlete, playing for Inter Milan. He played most of the first half, obviously. It didn't seem to be a problem. But, um, you know, after this, I think, Trish, there'll, there'll be surely a major push from sports clubs across the world to ensure that, you know, they'll have adequate defibrillators available. Uh, and thankfully, Eriksson appears to be on the mend.
3: Yeah, and it, I know his doctor has come out saying that he was gone prior to being uh, resuscita- resuscitated and he just took one shot of the defib to bring, to bring him back. But does the incident raise questions around the workload that some of these players are subjected to, Trevor?
10: Yeah, that, that is a point. I mean, it's uh, it's a point that managers have been making consistently. You know, in the Premier League, for example, Trish Sudier, uh the likes of uh, Jorgen Klopp has been giving out about it. Uh, especially, you know, clubs have been in European football. Uh, you know, the, the Champions League or Europa League, and the players are winning international duty. Then the heavy load of the, of the Premier League and cup matches. So you can play anything up to sixty matches. I mean, it does raise a question about that, all right. Um, you know, um, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Obviously, for Christian Eriksen, um, you know, if if, uh, if if it wasn't for the quick and decisive action, I suppose, from the referee Anthony Taylor. Uh, you know, he stopped the game within five seconds, and uh, Ericsson's teammates uh, were around him very quickly. And uh, I think it was the captain who raised his neck to help him with his uh, with his airwaves. Mm-hmm. So uh, his airways, um, you know. So if it didn't, if they didn't act that quickly, it could have been a lot uh, worse for for Christian Ericsson. But uh, you know, I think um, the the major focus now will be on uh, you know. The questions will be: Do you know where the closest defibrillator is mm. to you in the ground? Is the big question. Would you know what to do with it? First aid courses, Trish, are available and they're free, and uh, you know they save lives. Simple as. So you know this is obviously a big wake up call, and uh, thankfully uh, Christian Eriksson is is uh, is up. He's conscious and he's speaking.
3: Okay, and and we don't know long term how this will uh, affect his footballing career.
10: Yeah, that's that's the other question. Um, I mean. You know, obviously time will tell. Um, He obviously won't be playing. I I would be very surprised if he played any more minutes in in this Euros, for example. But, um, you know, I'd like to think that uh, he will come back and he'll play again. But uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll have... A lot more information coming out in the next couple of days on, on his condition and uh, his future in the game, I would say, Trish.
3: OK. And was the, the game, of course, was halted, but eventually restarted, I think, just a little under two hours uh, later with mm-hmm. Finland actually uh, winning in the end. Wait, was that the right decision to play play on?
10: Yeah, I'd I question it, actually. I, I would have thought they might have played it maybe the next day, uh, just to give the players a bit of a breather from it um than asking them to go straight back in from after what they witnessed. Um, obviously they're a very close friend and teammate um, you know, didn't know they didn't know exactly what his condition would have been. So I would have thought maybe to play the game the following day. Um, you know, it was very tough for, for Denmark to go out there and, and give a performance. They did the best, like lost the game eventually, one 0 as you mentioned, but you know, I would have thought they would have given more time before they actually um, played play the match again or restarted the match again
3: yeah okay listen uh, Trevor, thank you for that and as you say, the whole world uh wishing uh, nothing but good health and good luck to christian errickson today thanks rich. Okay. Good morning, Tim. Thank you for that. That is uh, Trevor Welch, our soccer correspondent. Eighteen fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three. John Paul continues to take your calls. If you've got a question for Annalise, can you get that into us, uh, please? We were talking about tipping earlier on. Uh, there's a lovely text in, and sorry, there's so many texts coming in. I just wanted this is a really lovely one from Mary to say, Patricia. just want to give credit to the Gugambara Hotel. Tips are split everybody, I worked in accommodation. Usually we don't get much if you, if you work in accommodation in other hotels working in that particular department. But every two months at the Gugambara Hotel, all the tips are divided fairly, totally depending on how many hours each staff member has worked. Waiters kitchen, reception, accommodation all equal. Never have I worked in such a fairer establishment they deserve so much credit for how they treat their staff says Mary well done that's the Gugambara Hotel I don't know do many others do that or not but that's the fairest way that everybody gets the share of the uh, tips. Can anybody help Chris saying Patricia could you please ask your listeners if they know how I would go about getting a forestry that's in the process of being harvested in my area being replaced with native Irish trees rather than the industrial spruce trees again. It's also surrounding a waterfall so it would be great to see a variety of wildlife coming back into the area again and seeing them while out walking. Kind regards says uh, Chris. Does anybody know how to put, point Chris in the direction to get the forestry that are taking down the industrial spruce trees and they'll obviously replant again but to replant please with native Irish trees. I know Peter Dowdle are our, the our Irish, the our resident gardener from the com would love to hear you saying that. He's a big, big fan of planting native Irish trees and he knows how important they are as well. 1850 103. And Kathleen says, I don't agree with tipping in restaurants. I think the prices are high enough for the owners to pay their staff a fair wage. We don't tip shop assistants or anyone else. Why should we be tipping waiters and waitresses, says Kathleen. And of course, if you go to tip, it is optional. It's up to you yourself if you want to tip or not. OK, our free munch Monday. Do I have a winner? I do. Thank you for this, uh, John Paul. What did we ask you? We finished the food combination. It was bacon and and of course, the answer is cabbage. Never have I seen such a response to a competition. And our winner. Getting a voucher for this free Munch Monday for Pauline in Mitchellstown is going to Michael Casey in Gertine naboul which is just outside Mitchellstown, so you won't have far to travel. Congratulations, Michael Casey, Gertine naboul Mitchellstown, winning our free Munch Monday prize here on C103. More of those vouchers uh, to be given away across today as we continue to roll through roll through free lunch Monday here on C103. Okay, let's take a break and we are back having your questions answered by Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, 1850-333-103. Court
4: Today
0: on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group from motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
0: This is the Court Today replay on C103.
3: And Anneliese Dressel of the healthhubstore.com based at the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic joining me. Good afternoon to you Good afternoon. Patricia. And you are very welcome and lots of questions in for you. Let me get straight in with an email question please for Anneliese. Um, I am in my 40s celiac with alternating IBS. Now I eat well, I exercise daily, I work full time but I feel really fatigued and it's seems to happen all the time I don't seem to get any value from my sleep what would you suggest for something that could help with my energy levels thanking you that's from Tara so there could be
11: any number of things going on there Patricia but I'm going to focus in on what she said which is alternating IBS so especially with celiacs as well, because their ability to absorb has been compromised by celiac disease. It's often the case that they are not um, digesting their food properly and nor are they getting the good um, nutrients out of the food. So the first thing I think there would be to work on the whole digestive system to ensure that the food has been broken down, nutrients are being absorbed, reducing inflammation and trying to improve the health of the gut so that um, you can absorb your foods properly. So what I'd recommend for that would be a good quality digestive enzyme. Um, there's various different ones on the market, Patricia. Some of them are more suitable if you eat more kind of vegetarian foods and some are more suitable if you eat um, more kind of proteiny, fatty foods. If you eat a lot of protein and fatty foods, go for something with a bit of digestive acid in there to help break that down more effectively and then if you're a vegan go for one that has got cellulase in there that helps you break down that heart that hard to digest fiber from um, vegetables and from pulses and then a great supplement for kind of healing the gut especially if you're a celiac is the um, Nature's Plus GI Wellness. It has a combination of different things in there that improve the health of the cells of the colon um, and the small intestine where absorption takes place. It also has some probiotics in there and if it got nutrients to kind of nourish your own ability to produce digestive enzymes and break down food. So I would definitely try that. And then the second thing I would say for a celiac is that they often tend to be very low in iron again due to absorptive issues so I would take a good iron supplement with some folic acid in there and some B12 and make sure that your blood is being made effectively and they would be the two most likely causes for a celiac to be tired and run down.
3: Okay Patricia has been on to say in the last uh, few years she noticed she gets a lot of sore throats, she now has shingles. Uh, could, could Is this because her immune system is low? She thinks the sore, sore throats are some way linked to her sinuses.
11: It could be I suppose Patricia the sinuses and the sore throat are actually linked by a passage anyway um, and some people would if they get um, a throat infection they'd be more prone then to getting a sinus infection and vice versa so there is definitely a link there Um If the sinuses are a problem, there could be a number of different issues with that. A lot of people speak about sinuses and a nasal uh, um, drip, you know, where they're constantly swallowing mucus down from the sinuses. And typically, mucus is produced in the sinus as a protective mechanism by the immune system. So the immune system is reacting to something like either dust or pollen or cats or environmental chemicals or a lot of the time foods as well. I've noticed that dairy is a huge culprit, but also for some people it could be egg or wheat. So rule out any intolerances um, if you're prone to getting a lot of sinuses. And then for the throat, I'm a great fan of the Dr. Clear throat spray. Um, it's a brilliant one. I always have one in my bag anyway, Patricia, during the winter in case I'm ever in an environment where I'm sitting... Um, in a lot of people, you know, where they might be passing on a lot of colds and you can spray it. There's sage and marshmallow in there, which is lovely for soothing a sore throat, but echinacea as well for boosting the immune system. So the Dr. Dealish Care Throat Spray. And then she also makes the mucotone, which is brilliant as um, a treatment if you feel you're starting to come on with a cough or a cold or a sinus infection or anything like that because it's a blend of herbs that help reduce the amount of mucus being produced and it also helps to boost the immune system. So they would be two good ones for that I think but definitely look at triggers in the environment.
3: OK, Maureen, oh sorry, Marion uh, appears a up of wax in her ears. It's just in one ear. She's tried using drops, j- No good. She once had to go to the doctor and get her ears syringed, but she's wondering, is there any other way she doesn't fancy going getting that done again?
11: Yeah, the ear. This comes up a lot, Patricia, doesn't it? So yeah, the ear it does. Candles, yeah. yeah, the ear candles are a great one for that. And since it started coming up a lot, and I've started selling a lot more ear candles, I'm getting really, really good feedback again. So I've been a big fan for years, but the ear candle. Is a little candle, um, a cone. You can buy them in cones that you put into the ear and you light, and the heat and the it draws up the wax from in the, from inside the ear. It's very, very safe um, to do. The only danger might be if you're a novice to doing it for the first time is that you might be a bit unsteady. So get somebody to do it for you the first time and get a protector um, that will prevent the wax dripping down onto your, your face or your skin. But it's not, I mean, even the wax itself is not that hot, so it's very hard to do damage to yourself. So ear candles would be the
3: best for that. OK, Trish says, hi, my daughter has hay fever. She's say, She's taking citrine every day, which was working, but for the last week or so, her eyes have become very watery and itchy and she's sneezing a lot. She's eight years old.
11: Okay, so there is um something called a hay band, Patricia, which is like an acupressure band that is really good. Um it's a kind of it's one of these that some people would say it's like a miracle and then for some people it doesn't seem to work as well. But it's one of the ones that's suitable for children. So you, you buy it in a health store might even get it in the pharmacy actually and it's literally a band that you wear on the arm and it's got kind of acupressure points that reduce the symptoms of hay fever. The other thing that might work well is as well the Dr. Vogel do a no- nasal spray that has a homeopathic blend in there which is very good for hay fever. It's called um, Polynesan Nasal Spray and it's spelled B-O-L-I-N-A-S-A-N Nasal Spray and there is a remedy that you can give children in drops called Luffa again it's by Dr Vogel um, and it's a tincture L-U-F-F-A and you can take that drops in a, a little bit of orange juice or water a few times a day and that's great very quick acting as well
3: Okay and this little one also has a problem in that the skin and the soles of her feet became inflamed, itchy and cracked to the point where they actually bleed she said blisters on them Mum is using antibiotic creams from the doctor and also using an eczema cream that waiting on an appointment for a dermatologist uh, is there anything that Annalise would recommend in the meantime because now it's becoming painful to walk at the moment God the poor little one is really going through it
11: Yeah it sounds terrible now again I'm, I'm not sure what's causing this I mean it could be an allergy considering there is a hay fever or there's an allergic tendency there so I think something like the Dr. Claire anti-itch cream or the healing cream is wonderful Um, It's very, very gentle and is great for kind of knitting skin back together again, especially if it keeps cracking and blistering. So the Dr. Delish Care Healing Cream or the Anti-Itch Cream is a very similar one without any essential oils, so it's less likelihood of it stinging. Um, And then I would suggest that you have a look at shoes and make sure that there's no latex in the shoes because sometimes a lot of people are allergic to latex which is a kind of a rubber and you would find that now in a lot of the memory foams um, and a lot of the soles that would be inside in shoes so try and switch to non-rubber shoes for the summer maybe canvas shoes and take out the the rubber insoles that might be one of the triggers
3: Okay, you wants to know anything for somebody who got sunburned, and I say there's a lot of people walking around with sunburn uh, today after yesterday. Is aloe vera good?
11: Yes, aloe vera is always used for burns, Patricia. It does, if you, especially if you put it into the fridge, it's lovely and soothing. Um, and it's also very healing and it does prevent it from cracking. But the other thing is to take plenty, plenty water to rehydrate yourself as well and rehydrate the skin from the inside and make sure you don't get any more sunshine today because it is very damaging in the long term.
3: Uh, text. Hi to Annelise. What could be causing stomach discomfort, nausea, wind, gurgling? Uh, what would help, please? It's going on now for about two months and obviously it's something that wasn't there before.
11: It could be any number of things, really, Patricia. Um, you know, it could be it could be digestive issues, it could be um Helicobacter pylori, which is a bacteria that lives in all of our stomachs nearly, but if it overgrows, it causes all those symptoms like gurgling, um, nausea, burping, um, feeling sick if you don't eat but then and feeling, you know, relieved if you eat, but then feeling sick a little bit afterwards again. They would be typical signs of Helicobacter pylori. Your doctor can do a test for those, um, a breath test, and it does need to be treated with antibiotics. But there is a natural remedy for anything ulcery called mastic gum, Um, and that could be a good one to try in the meantime, because I know that there's still a huge delay on blood tests and kind of non-essential tests Mm. at the moment. So there's a great remedy... um, by a company called Bionutri, B-I-O-N-U-T-R-I, Bionutri, and it's called Mastic Gum Plus. And that's great for anything to do with an inflamed stomach um, and any kind of, you know, discomfort, nausea, bloating and burning feeling. And then if it could be, um, you know, it might be a little bit of a stomach bug, a probiotic is always very good for that. And if it's been going on for a long time and if it's coupled with any kind of, You know, bowel issues like maybe a a too fast bowel or too slow a bowel movement. Maybe a digestive enzyme might help in terms of helping to break the food down better. But in this case, with the feeling of nausea, I would definitely avoid anything with acid in there. Anything with digestive acid in there. So a very nice gentle one is the Udo's digestive enzyme and also Terranova do a digestive enzyme and neither of those have acid in there.
3: OK, could Annelise please recommend a cough bottle for a non-COVID related cough? Thanking you, that's from Marie.
11: OK, so um, again, there's a couple of different ones, Patricia. I, I'm a big fan of the Comvita Manuka uh, honey cough bottle because there's a number of different things in there carrageen is great for kind of loosening up mucus in the chest and helping you to expel it there's peppermint extract there's propolis in there which is brilliant for boosting the immune system and the manuka honey is lovely and soothing so that's a really nice one regardless of whether you have a dry or mucusy cough but if it's a very very dry cough the uh, they also do a range um with mullion in there m-u-l-l-e-i-n and marshmallow is another one so go into your local health shop. The Comvita have three different types of cough bottle, one for dry and one for mucusy. And again, if it's mucusy, I'm always a big fan of the Dr. Care mucotone because it does boost the immune system and help your own system get a handle on the
3: cough. Okay, we'll leave it there. Have a good week and we'll chat to you next Monday, Annalise. Thank you for Thanks, that. Patricia. Thanks for joining us, um, Annalise. uh is at the Health Hub Times Square in Valancholic and you can check her out online as well, healthhubstore.com, where she'll put up all of the information and everything that she spoke about um, uh, today uh, someone says uh, Patricia I'm 37 have you any idea when I'll be able to register for my vaccine at a West Cork listener I don't we do know sometime this week that the over 30s and it'll start with 39, 38, 37 so you'll be day 3 when they open it up for the th- for the 30 year olds as soon as we get any information on it we will bring it to you. We were talking about paint in relation to paint. If it was a mixed paint it would be dearer. I was quoted €88 Euro for 5 litres of a mixed paint so 2 litres could be 47 mind you it does sound a bit expensive. OK that's where I leave it for today. Thanks to John Paul. Nick with you back with you tomorrow at 10. Court Today on C103
4: with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See M myg.ie.